I've been thinking a lot about just abandonment. You know, a lot of us, maybe we didn't get a lot of nurture when we were infants. Maybe we had moms who were, had a lot of troubles, a lot of, a lot of pressures on them. Maybe they were addicted. Maybe they were uh, busy with a lot of other kids. And so, um, you know, a lot of us can experience abandonment without literally being abandoned, without literally being like left on the side of a street corner or something or put, put in a, a basket in front of the hospital. Like that kind of thing happens, right? It's like I experienced a sense of abandonment because when I was born, my mom was drugged out with this drug they used to use in the late 50s. When I was born, that would it was called it would cause this what's called twilight sleep. So for the first two months, I I was like sleeping all the time, and I couldn't even breastfeed or do anything. I was just like completely knocked out my nervous system, and so that affected me for my for years and years, like over forty five years of my life. With it gave me a lot of anxiety, and um, but it wasn't like my mom was deliberately uh, doing that. It was more like an effect, but. You know, but there's all all kinds of ways that um, that we can be we can experience that sense that we've been left, we've been abandoned, and often it it transmit translates into us feeling rejected. Okay, because we think, okay, well, we were abandoned because we were actually rejected, and a child, an infant, and a child often thinks it must be my fault because they would they would assume their parents are are, are righteous and they're good and. They're like the God figures in their lives. And so uh, we tend to blame ourselves and that can lead to shame, you know, where I think I suck, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm messed up and I can't be fixed, you know? And so shame is a really strong, a normal reaction to a feeling of abandonment and rejection. And some of the other ways that we respond are, um, we can just feel unworthy or we can even have self-hatred. And, um, or we can try and or we can try to be people pleasers, you know, where we think, man, I, I, I want that acceptance so bad. And so how am I going to get it? I'm just going to have to be pleasing to people and, you know, go out of my out of my way to always help. You know, so there's helper type people. Uh, Gracie and I are both kind of like that. We're both like helper kind of people. We were both firstborns and there was there was a lot of pressure on us to kind of be. We were like what you call a parentified child. We were the firstborns and with parents who, you know, um, expected a lot out of us and stuff. And, but you can feel that even when, like when you're, if you're neglected, then you feel like you have to just take care of yourself um, from day one or, you know, from really early on, right? And so people pleasing is really tough because you never, you're always shaky because if you're trying to please people, who aren't being pleased, okay? Or, you know, you're doing a lot for people and then they reject you anyway. Uh, that creates a lot of insecurity, doesn't it? So it's almost like if you're a people pleaser, a lot of times you just feel like, man, I can never do enough. And then you can be bitter when people reject you, even if you, when you try to please them, right? right. And so it, you can just have your read, you can, that can cause a lot of distrust. So I think a lot of us at Tierra Nueva are people that have been rejected, We've experienced rejection. We have rejection wounds. I, I know um, Gracie and I do, and and you know just tons of people that we that we know and love uh, do. And another way that we deal with it is we isolate. Okay, that's something I did when I felt rejected. I took off for the mountains, and uh, 
my dad helped me with that because I think he experienced that a bit. So he would take us fishing, hunting, things like that. It was that was actually a good thing for me because, um, but, but it also was bad in the sense that I, that was what I would always do when I'd feel rejected is I take off um, like a stray dog or like a wild coyote into the wilds. And I just nurse my wounds out there by myself. And, um, and it probably kept me out of a lot of trouble actually just being into climbing and, you know, backcountry stuff. Um, but we can isolate in negative ways, right? And think about this COVID pandemic. A lot of people have isolated and never really recovered. They've never really found their networks of friends. They've never come back into a community. And, um, and here we are, we're trying to build community again after, those, after a number of years of not having it. So um, another thing that we can do is we can seek help from God, okay? and um, but if we think God is this really uh, fickle, difficult to please deity who just is, you know, always judging us and pointing out what we're not doing right, you know, because some of us can have seen God that way, then, okay, that's pretty unhelpful. So, um, and a lot of religious people are like that. They, um, you know, they put, you know, they, they think there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to, for, for God to be on your side. Anyway, let's look at this story about a woman who was like that, who I think suffered a ton of probably a lot of rejection. This is Luke 13, verse 10. Can it, are you guys tracking with me? I mean, are any of you people that feel like you've been abandoned or rejected? Yeah. Okay. You don't have to nod your head. You can just silently, you know, nod your head. No one has to see it, but. Say I. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know people that have had a lot of experience of rejection and abandonment? Do you know people out there? Yeah, I think we do. Okay, so let's check this out. Jesus, Luke, what? Luke 13, verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues. Synagogue is like, it's not a place, it's not a sin, you know, synagogue, but it's to come together. It's kind of like the Jewish church. Okay, and they met on Saturdays, and it was like a church, like they had them everywhere. So Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath. Okay, and behold, there was a woman who had a um, a disabling spirit for eighteen years. It says, or um, another translation has it. Dang, I left my Bible and all my notes at home. I like this better. Um, and there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. This one says infirmity. Infirmity, yeah. And that's a, that's a big word that most of us don't know what it means. I think the word sickness is probably one we know better, right? So anyway, there was a, a, this woman had a sickness caused by a spirit. That's interesting. Huh? It doesn't say what spirit it was. Maybe it was a spirit of rejection. You know, maybe it was a spirit of abandonment doesn't say what the name of the spirit was but this woman was had a sickness caused by a spirit do you think that um, sometimes the pain that we have that we, we that we would cause us to self-medicate through drugs and alcohol could sometimes be almost like a sickness that is caused by a spirit say a projection yeah. yeah do you think any of our poor folk out there around safeway and dollar dollar tree and yeah. And are people that are struggling with spirits that are related to maybe rejection and 
self-hatred and abandonment. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah. You know, um, so let's see what happens. Um, so it says she was bent double and couldn't straighten up at all. Okay, so this is a woman who probably was used to people uh, looking at her and looking down on her. Uh, literally looking down on her because she was bent over double, so she was shorter. She was kind of stooped, you know, like, like imagine walking around like this. Coming up to, you know, someone, I mean, almost anyone would be taller than you, right? If you were bent over double, okay? So how do you think you'd feel about yourself if you were walking around for 18 years like that? Could you imagine just trying to just do it? Go to Walmart and just walk, do all your shopping, bend over like that with your push cart. Pushing your cart. Can you imagine doing that? How would that, what would you feel like doing that? Okay, so, so this woman um, was probably a woman who, um, I mean, I, the fact that she's there is kind of amazing because she was probably looked upon as someone who was, who deserved to be messed up because, um, because God is, people are judgy and they're like, what did that woman do? She must've been a bad lady, a bad mom. You know, she must've been a bad mom, right? And so people tend to blame, to blame you, right? If you're messed up. Do you think that happens today? Okay. So um, it was really sad. Uh, Lisa was telling me that when we heard about this uh, overdose that happened uh, in front of uh, Hobby Lobby last week, that uh, it was on schedule breaking. And there were a bunch of little notes that said um, where the cops came and they gave Narcan. And I've been trying to find out what happened to that person, but I haven't heard. But a bunch of people in the comments said, oh, they should just let him die. What? Yeah, just let him die. Why, why should the cops even bother to try to re revive someone like that? Just let him die. They did? You know, I, I think schedule breaking should just like, just like bold face, you know, make those things just, send some email back to those people just putting them on blast i don't know what but that's that's what jesus is going to do just check this out okay so let's see what happens so um when jesus saw her okay so the first thing we see is jesus saw her okay and what's he going to do when he sees her? Is he going to be one of the haters who's going to like get down on her and just uh you know like expose her and say hey lady you know it's time to repent and get your life together, you know, and maybe God will just remove that affliction. If you just be a, a better, a better person, um, you know, and stop that, you know, like smoking, whatever you're smoking or whatever you're doing. Right. But look what Jesus says. There's three things he does. Jesus saw her. He called her over. Okay. And he called her over, that's a special word in Greek means it can mean like called her over like really strongly, like, hey, come on over. It's like summon, the word summon, you know, the word summon, it's, it's kind of like if you're summoned to court or something, it's like, it's really almost official. So he called her over and then he spoke to her. Okay, and, and what does he say? Does he say, um, you know, do you believe that I'm the savior of the world? Do you, do you, uh, are, you are you willing to turn away from your addiction? Do you, are you willing to like admit that, uh, that you're powerless to, over your addiction and you need a higher power to save you? 
did, did Jesus, let's see what Jesus says to her. When Jesus saw her, he called her over. Okay, now what, what's Jesus doing to someone who is used to being invisible and rejected? What does this tell us about Jesus that he called her and he, he, he saw her and he called her over? Yeah, he noticed her. He noticed her? He, he saw her as important? Okay. Yeah. If he calls her over to him, what would that say? She was wanted. She was wanted. Okay. Yeah. Does that show acceptance? Yes. Okay, so someone who's been abandoned, what we need if we've been abandoned is secure attachment, yeah. like secure acceptance, an acceptance that's not just fickle and lame and just, you know, contingent on whether we're playing by all the rules and doing the right thing. Sorry, I used a big word there, contingent. Couldn't think of a simple word. Uh, based on, you know, uh, it's not acceptance, just based on whether we're doing everything um, right, right? Jesus just calls her over. And then he says to her, woman, you are freed. He doesn't even say, do you want to be free? He just said, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her. Okay, so he's four things now. Saw her, summoned her, uh, spoke to her, and then said, you are freed you know, from your disability. And then he laid his hands on her, right? And immediately she was made straight. Hallelujah. Immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. Isn't that cool? Yes. So was that hard for that woman to get healed? Okay, so what did she need to have happen? She said to show up, okay? And Jesus saw her, okay? So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus sees you. If you're a person who feels rejected, if you feel invisible, if you feel abandoned, not by Jesus, okay? Jesus sees you. And if there's a spirit that is messing with you and making you feel like you're just a piece of nothing, you're worthless, mm-hmm. you know, um, you need that word from Jesus. Um, you know, be free and um, be free from your sickness. Now, check out what the haters did now, okay? Because there were a lot of people in this synagogue who weren't on the side of this woman and weren't on the side of Jesus. But the ruler of the synagogue, uh, angry, you know, annoyed uh, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Oh my goodness, it's Saturday. Whoa, you just broke the rules, Jesus. Um, he said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. There are six days in which work ought to be done. Okay. Come, come on those days and be healed. I mean, what a naggy kind of jerk of a person. Can you believe that? Okay. Are there people around this world today like that, that are that, that, are that legalistic, do you think? Okay. Of course, we don't know how they said it, but I, I imagine it kind of like that. <laughs> Would you be drawn to that church? Do you think people think that churches are like that sometimes? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes? Uh oh. It's I know it's people in the church. Yeah. Okay. So he says, "Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day." Now, why wouldn't Jesus have been more so sensitive and just said, "Lady, you know, I just want you to know I really see you, and uh, tomorrow come back and let's make an appointment and we'll just work this out. I'll I'll heal you, but here's some homework. You know, uh, 
Yeah, you got to repent of all your sins. Um, you know, stop doing this, that, and the other thing. Okay, right? But Jesus chooses to have a confrontation, doesn't he? Okay, and so I love this because Jesus takes the side of those that are abandoned and rejected and who are outcasts. Just directly does that here, doesn't he? Okay, so what, let's see what Jesus says. And the Lord answered them, answered him, the guy. Okay. I love how the Lord answers him um, in front of everybody. He says, you hypocrites. But he doesn't say just you hypocrite, because he knows there's other people that are probably thinking the same thing. He doesn't say you hypocrite. He says, you hypocrites. See, that's for emphasis. God wants us to pay attention. <laughs> You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it to water it? Don't you guys take your pit bull and just give it a good cup full of, you know, dog food? Don't every one of you guys do that? Gabriel blowing the horn of judgment. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think about Jesus's response by getting right in the face of that, of that guy? Um, and this was, um, who was this? The ruler of the synagogue. This was the pastor. And this was the ruler of the synagogue that did this. So Jesus is getting right on, in the face of the main head guy. And he's the invited guest. He's the invited guest to this church. So Jesus tells the guy who invited him, you hypocrite, but includes everybody else who's a hypocrite too. And he says, um, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey or feed your kitty cat in you know, water and food, whatever, right? Of course, everyone does. We take care of our pets. Jessica, do you take care of your little uh, canary or parakeet? Yes, you know, yeah. Do you every day? Even on the Sabbath? Every day. Even on Sunday? Okay. And what about your pit bull? All every day. Okay, good. Okay, and ought not this woman who Satan has bound for 18 years, ought not she be loosed from this, um, these shackles? It says this bond, but it's like shackles is the word. On the Sabbath day, shouldn't she be un untied? You know, like you guys untie your dogs and give them water, like Anna unties Jasper. Jasper's not tied up, but Anna takes him out of the deck and lets him go poop in our field and gives him water. Now, shouldn't this woman be untied who Satan has bound for these 18 years? Now, he, Jesus doesn't blame the woman, right? He says who Satan has bound. So he puts, he takes all blame off the woman in case someone thinks, okay, this woman's a bad actor. You know, she's not a good lady. And Jesus blames Satan for this problem. Okay, instead of the woman. Um, so shouldn't she, you know, who Satan is bound for 18 years, be loosed, be freed, be unbound uh, on this Sabbath day? And he said these things, and as he said these things, all of his enemies were put to shame. Okay, so Jesus took the shame off this woman, and he threw it on the accusers. He put the shame on the shamers, right? Yeah. And so this is interesting. He doesn't just eradicate shame. 
he, he actually turns the shame that's on the woman and he puts it on those that are the haters. Okay, so he's not, he's, he's being prophetic here. This is prophet Jesus, who's not just letting the haters just get away with just being super messed up and, you know, and shaming and evil. Jesus exposes them. Okay, and how would you feel if you were that woman in front of the whole group to having Jesus stand up for you like that? How would you feel? Yes. Okay. Free. Well, he free, he stands up for you right now. Yeah. He stands up for every single one of us, right? He knows our suffering. He knows the reasons why we feel like we do. He knows the he knows the whole story of our rejection, wounds, wherever they started, and all the times they've been reinforced. He knows every time when some of one of your love, someone you loved, rejected you and left you. He knows every single tear that you cried, and he knows where it all began. He knows the he knows how to go right back to the original wound and he sees it. Okay. And he calls you forward because he wants to free you. He wants to free all of us. He doesn't want us to, to just be in a, in the grind of trying to please people to get people to like us and just having to just work our tails off, making ourselves look so attractive, you know, and feeling all insecure. I mean, think about all the people that feel insecure about our bodies. You know, and we're trying to attract someone and we're thinking man i'm getting older and like what am i going to do about that okay all of us are and so just think about all the pressure that's on us to try to get acceptance well jesus offered us offers it just freely the way he takes us just like like we are and um so it, as he said these things all of his enemies were put to shame all of his adversaries and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him so the people were siding with Jesus over and against the, the rulers, weren't they? Yeah. So what do you think? Would our people be siding with, the, with, with Jesus? Do you, are you siding with Jesus? Yeah. Okay, well, let's pray. So God, I just thank you that you see us and you do not um, agree with the accuser. And I just thank you that you, um, you offer freedom right now from um, all the wounds of rejection and abandonment that would be bothering us. And just um, even ones that have just gone on for a long, long time. Thank you, Lord, that you, you see us and you, you, you free us, you call us, you summon us, you call us to yourself. And just, I pray that we would come forward and like this woman did, she, she, she said yes to your, your call to come forward and, and and she let you liberate her and she let you put your your hands on her in to liberate her to, to break the shackles off of her and we just pray that today we would be a lot of us we just we need to be free we're, we're trying to find acceptance but i just ask that you'd help us to be able to accept your acceptance in jesus name